Major Lindsay and Africa presents Bouncing Back, conversations about resilience for lawyers. Welcome to Bouncing Back, Resilience for Lawyers. This podcast is brought to you by Major Lindsay and Africa, the global leader in legal search and consulting. I'm your host, Rebecca Glasser. I'm a managing director in the associate practice group at Major Lindsay and Africa. In this podcast, I'll speak to successful professionals about the hiccups, bumps, bruises, and setbacks they've experienced in their careers and personal lives, and how they ultimately bounce back from those experiences to thrive. Today, my guest is Shane O'Reilly. Shane is Director and Associate General Counsel, Head of Licensing and Open Source at Meta Platforms, Inc., formerly Facebook, where he leads a team responsible for technology transactions, licensing, M&A, commercial and IP support, open source, and academic collaborations. Shane previously served as Associate General Counsel for IP litigation at Meta, where he managed domestic and international intellectual property matters. Outside of work, Shane enjoys working with nonprofit organizations. Shane is a member of the 100 Black Men of Atlanta, Inc., and serves on the board of the Ron Clark Academy and the Silicon Valley Urban Debate League. Shane has received the Rising Star In-House Counsel of the Year Award from the African-American Managing Partner and General Counsel Network, Silicon Valley Business Journal 40 Under 40 Award, the MCCA Rising Star Award, and the National Bar Association Diversity and Tech Award. Shane earned his Bachelor of Science degree in Electrical Engineering from North Carolina A&T State University and his Juris Doctor, doctor from, the, from UNC at Chapel Hill. Shane, thank you for being here with me today. It's great to be here. Thank you. So in a prior conversation, Shane, we discussed uh, the sort of uh, tumult uh, of being an associate at a law firm. And unfortunately, as many have experienced, uh, being in a situation where you're working for a really difficult partner. Tell me a little bit about that experience. Yeah, and I'll, I'll even back it up a, a, a bit. Um, I was at a, at a prior firm um, in, a, in a relatively good situation. Um, you know, I uh, had enjoyed the firm, enjoyed the partners uh, I, was, I was working with there, uh, but was looking to lateral uh, so I could get more, more patent litigation trial experience. Um, so I uh, lateral to a firm, um, you know, hoping that I was going to uh, have an experience working with a, a broad variety of partners. And uh, I was uh, initially assigned uh, to a, a partner that had uh, lost a few attorneys on his team and frankly was not the easiest partner to uh, work with. Um, so there was obviously a pretty significant level of disappointment uh, associated with the uh, with the transition, um, and it, there's also just kind of the a lot of questions around, you know, and and really buyer's remorse and kind of regret um, around making the switch. Um, but I really believed um, that the new firm could could really offer me a, a great platform and and great experience uh, that I could build off of. So for me, it was really kind of digging deep. Uh, and continue to to be resilient and and work at the firm and um, frankly kind of tolerate uh, the difficult partner uh, while I still really mapped out and kind of thought about what my my long term plan would be at that firm. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. And I assume based on kind of the way you're talking about this that you were not 
aware necessarily that this partner was particularly difficult and realized it when you arrived? Or did you have some inkling, um, you know, in addition to the sort of loss of associates um, that kind of what you were getting into? Yeah, that's that's actually that's a great question. So um, going into the firm during the interview process, those other associates were still there. Um, so the thought was that I would be working with a broader set of, of partners and not necessarily this this partner. Uh, that was difficult. And as you're right, it, it, as you said, completely correct. I didn't necessarily know the partner was actually difficult until I arrived at the firm. Um, but when those associates left and, you know, that partner still had work that needed to be done uh, and I had the background and skill set to do it, um, my work ended up being kind of relegated primarily to working with that particular partner. I see. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I experienced this when I was practicing. Um, unfortunately, it's more common than uh, maybe folks outside the law would realize um, that, you know, partners have book a business, their money generators for the firm, and more often than not, unfortunately, um, bad behavior is is tolerated because, you know, they're significant uh, money generators. Um, without sort of um, impugning the guilty or, or sort of going into too much detail such that we will know who this person is, but, you know, was the nature of it like, you know, unreasonableness, you know, deadlines and, you know, things that just make sense or did it take sort of a different tact about, you know, your work product or other things? Yeah, I think it was, you know, I was used to, to kind of working more collaboratively, more collaboratively uh, with, with partners at my, at my, at my prior firm. So it was, Kind of the collaborative collaborative work environment, but it was also you know unrealistic unrealistic deadlines. Um, you know you might uh, uh, prepare a, a, at the time I was drafting patent applications. You might prepare the patent application months in advance, and you get feedback a couple of days before the date in which it's actually due, right? Or you or you may may get feedback the same day that it's due to the client. Um, so it was, yeah, it was just kind of the the unrealistic unreal, um, time pressures and stress that really, it was unnecessary, um, but it really came with the work, especially for, you know, somebody like me that is really committed and dedicated, right, to the work. And I, I want to do good work. I want to make sure that I'm providing great client service. And it would just completely conflicted with kind of who I am and the way that I operate. Yeah, absolutely. And it's almost, I keep thinking to myself, you know, they don't necessarily teach you how to practice law in law school. You learn a lot of theory, maybe you get some practical experience, but you're essentially learning on the job. Um, and, you know, I, I keep thinking this kind of behavior almost sort of sets you up for failure, you know, could set you up for failure, maybe not on purpose. Again, maybe the partner doesn't know how to manage his or her own time very well, so they don't, yes. it trickles down. But it just creates the situation where, you know, you could be not set up for success, which, of course, is, is not what happened in your case. And so I, I'd love to hear, because, again, I hear as a recruiter, I hear this kind of thing all the time. If I had a dollar for every associate who called me and said, like, you know, I'm working for a really difficult partner and I need to leave, um, I probably could retire by now. And so I'm curious how you, you know, practically, you know, tactically sort of 
dealt with these kinds of things. Um, and I don't know if it's a grin and bear it kind of situation, like, yes, or may I have another, uh, or, or were there things, skills or tactics you employed to try to get through this difficult time? Yeah, you know, I think for me, it was definitely a, a grin and bear it, but it was also, um, as with everything, just being very strategic, right, about my career and what I wanted and where I wanted to go. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I lateral to that particular firm is that, you know, my closest friend from law school helped recruit me there. Uh, and he had subsequently, um, shortly after I joined, he he moved in-house uh, to Google on the, on the patent litigation team there. Uh, and that firm was interested in doing patent litigation work for Google. So it was, you know, relying um, on my network, um, relying on some of the connections that he made for me internally. Uh, at the firm and just understanding that, um, or at least believing uh, that the, you know, the difficulty and the pains of working with that particular partner would be temporary if um, I was very strategic about where I wanted to be and where I wanted to go within that firm. Absolutely. And so, you know, I think that there's a lesson there for our listening audience and, and for myself even, which is, you know, if you're not happy in the situation you're in, kind of having a vision for where you want to be and kind of figuring out those steps um, and knowing in your mind, you know, how to get there. Um, it probably makes that situation a lot more bearable when you can say to yourself, this is only temporary, only six more months of this. Or yeah. Once I get this trial experience, I'm out of here. Or, you know, I'm going to be actively looking for other opportunities um, so that I know, again, I'm, I'm you know, reassuring myself that this is not the, the, the permanence uh, of my situation. Agreed. Um, curious if you have any advice about fostering those kinds of relationships. You know, I sometimes hear from associates that say like, God, you know, the work itself takes up so much time. I'm still learning things on the job. That is a huge time suck. I, you know, have a family at home. I have kids, I have this, I have that. How or what advice would you give um, regarding, you know, the the networking or the fostering of important relationships that will help you further on in your career and, and kind of carving out the time for that? Yeah, and I, I love this question. I was actually on a, on a panel and I was asked this question. Um, honestly, you just have to make time for it. Um, you know, it's I, I, I know it, it's may not be the most sensitive answer in the world, but, you know, I think it, it's also just kind of the, the realization that um, your network and your connections are, they're gold. Um, they could completely change and transform your career and your situation. I mean, going back to the difficulty that I had with that um, partner, um, my good friend, law school classmate, Wilson White, who he was the associate who, who went in-house at Google, uh, and he was able to get me get staffed on Google Patent Litigation Matters. Uh, and it went from drafting patent applications for this extremely difficult partners, that kind of being my sole source of work, to um, working on Google Patent Litigation Matters and then folks being able, more people being able to see my talent uh, and then getting pulled almost solely into patent litigation uh, to where I was not working with that partner and I was completely removed. Um, so those networks... Uh, those relationships that you build are, are going to be so important to, to your career. For some people, they're probably thinking, okay, how do I do it? First thing I say is don't be bashful. Um, I think there are many people that will say, 
oh, they're too high up. Um, I, I don't feel comfortable reaching out to them because they're so high up. I think for, for many people that have done well and that are successful in their career, I think they still don't lose sight of kind of where they've come from, uh, what their experiences were. Um, and, you know, they're very open and, and willing to, to help uh, and provide guidance, advice, and um, <clears throat> don't necessarily kind of view every relationship as one that's immediately going to bear business. I just kind of view the relationships as, as just that relationships that you build and they may end up turning into something that's going to help you help you in a career long term. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a saying in the South, which is a uh, closed mouth, don't get fed. <laughs> so yeah, you got to exactly right. I mean, you got to be, you know, tactical and strategic, right? You don't need to tell everyone that, you know, you're unhappy and you're working for this horrible partner. But, um, you know, telling trusted people or folks that you think might um, be empathic towards your, um, you know, situation or is definitely recommended. Um, this is great. So I'm, I'm gathering that that experience may have informed your interest in going in-house. Um, is that what sort of led to your interest in, in, in moving and switching gears in that way? Um, that, that not so great experience with the partner or were there other things kind of at play? No, I, I think I think long term, I, I had a desire to to kind of to, to to work for for kind of and focus on one particular client. You know, I will say sometimes the the difficulty in private practice is um, especially at a, at a firm might be, hey, you're working on this great case for this client and you love the client and everything's great. And then the case settles and then yeah. you're immediately jumping. So it's you kind of jump from client to client sometimes. So I think for me, it was kind of the the goal to be in a position where I could just focus and work on one particular client. And I think also just to kind of completely add to the like how much better that situation ended up being at the firm uh, after I moved away from that partner. I mean, some of my closest friends to like now are still partners at the firm who I really enjoy spending time with and great friends and and mentors. In addition to that, they um, opened or put me in a in a position where I could do a succumbent um, at a client. I did a, a four month succumbent on the IP transactions team at Apple, um, and that helped open my aperture as to to what life looked like as a in house attorney. So um, that situation completely transformed uh, based off of the network, and you know it helped me really make the decision uh, that I wanted to transition in house. Absolutely. And how did that transition, you know, what did that look like? Was it the first opportunity you got, like, through a job board, a recruiter? Was it, you know, again, utilizing that network that you had cultivated over the years? Yeah, it was um, honestly using that that network that I had kind of built over the years when I saw the opening pop up on the IP litigation team uh, at Facebook. It was you know, reaching out to to friends that had friends that were in-house in the legal department at Facebook, uh, talking to them, uh, expressing my interest in in the role, um, having them refer me uh, internally for the role. Um, so I, you know, when I say, say kind of the network is gold, I, I significantly believe that um, so many great things have happened to me um, because I've really just, just taken the time um, to spend time with people right get to know them um yeah completely uh, yeah 
in a, in an unselfish manner. Uh, and you just kind of see it come back because those folks are, are interested in helping you. And I believe that help is is one of the reasons why I was able to get in-house at, at Facebook. Well, it's meta platforms now, but it was Facebook at the time. Um, yeah, no, and um, two really good points or takeaways from this. You know, one is uh, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. You know, work on that network now um, so that if something goes left and you really have kind of an urgent need to, to make a change or make a move, You've got some people already in your midst who are your network, who know you and are willing to vouch for you and are willing to stick their neck out for you and are willing to make introductions. And, you know, the other part of this is the, you know, six degrees of legal separation or six degrees of Kevin Bacon, (laughs) this idea that, like, you know, you may not know the person that's going to get you the next job, but you may know someone who knows someone who knows someone who's in a position to vouch for you or help you get that next role. And um, this has been true for me throughout my career. Uh, Pretty much every job I've ever gotten was not through a job board, was not through a recruiter. It was through friends of friends of friends or some sort of connection who put me in touch with a person who is, you know, the decision maker in that role. And I I, I think that's, that's great advice as well. Um, So, you know, one of the things that sort of strikes me is, you know, being in that situation um, with the difficult partner is really quite evident um, of your, you know, e- great evidence of your resilience, Shane. You know, I think there's a lot of associates who would throw up their hands and say, I quit. <laughs> um, there's others that would say, you know, I can't put up with this, even if the end goal is something that I really um, want um, or need in my life. Um, I get calls all the time from people who want to just like throw in the towel. And I am curious to know personally where the strength or the knowledge um, to be resilient comes from for you. Yeah, I, you know, I would say it is um, just understanding for me, it's just kind of innate understanding of, of kind of where I want to go, right? What I, what I want to achieve. And um, as part of that, like there's always going to be valleys, right? You know, that's that's going to be expected as as you kind of decide where you want to go long term as part of your journey. And I think for me, it's um, now much more mature now. But, you know, I think it's it's really understanding uh, the blessings and the gifts that actually come from come from those valleys. Like, frankly, if if everything was good and like there was no issues at all like i probably would not be super resilient right but this resiliency and and having that experience i think has really taught me um really how strong i am um but i think also how strategic i can be about achieving my long-term goals if i still continue to focus on those goals uh during those valleys so i would say it's just just kind of defi- understanding and defining kind of where you want to go long term and and not losing sight of that um, even even during um, the difficult circumstances. Yeah, the eyes on the prize thing, you know. <laughs> exactly. Um, in total sense to me. Um, I was curious. I have my own theories based on some of your extracurricular activities, but I was curious how that experience with that really difficult partner in your you know formative beginning lawyer years has impacted or um, shaped, you know, your current success and or just kind of the way you view your current role uh, at Meta? 
Yeah, you know, I would say the way that it's, and I'll really go into kind of how it's how it shaped me, right? I think how it's how it shaped me is that like I genuinely want to help people, right? If people reach out to me on on LinkedIn and they want to talk or they have questions about career experience at a firm, being in an as a you know being an in house lawyer, I you know I respond. I respond and I'll try to set up time for them and I'll try to give them advice and really mentor and try to support them, you know, any way that I that I can. Um, and, you know, two ways that I'll, I'll kind of also add that it's 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 impacted me is just a, a just a desire to to give back. So I you know, help create our, our 1L Diversity Summer Associate Program um, at Meta a few years back. Um, last summer, we had uh, 31 L's, um, 23 partner law firms. Um, and, you know, the one L's spend eight weeks at a firm and then spend two weeks at Meta and they get exposed to in-house life and what we do across our teams. Um, I helped create an HBCU scholarship uh, with, with Goodwin uh, that's focused on um, graduates of HBCUs that are going to law school in the fall. Um, and providing them scholarships. And I, I really just enjoy talking to, you know, law students and young lawyers and just giving them whatever mentorship and guidance that I can, um, because I've, look, I, I, I just, going through those, that difficult circumstance and, you know, and others, I think is just really just maybe want to try to help um, any way that I can. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's great. And, um, you know, we need we need more folks like you um, in this profession who are willing to pull people up behind them um, when they've reached a certain level of success. Um, I know we're running a little bit close on time here, and so I wanted to ask you, a, you know, a final question, Shane, which is, you know, the last few years have been extremely difficult for everyone um, due to COVID, the murder of George Floyd, other world events. I could go on and on, um, but also there's been a lot of upheaval in the legal profession, I mean, the furloughs and tightening of belts and um, you know, certain people being let go um, due to firm economics. And I was wondering what advice you would give newly minted attorneys who may not have experienced this kind of tumult and upheaval in their professional and personal lives before. You know, I, I'd say just understand that your legal career, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. Um, and I will tell you that is one of the values in having older, wiser mentors, um, because they give you that perspective. Um, and, you know, I've seen uh, you know, similar periods of time where there have been, um, you know, layoffs uh, among law firms and, and some upheaval. And unfortunately, I know some lawyers that were affected. Um, and I see where many of those lawyers are now, and they're doing well and they're thriving. Um, so I think it's just just understanding that, unfortunately, this may be one of those those valleys um, for some. And it is it is a difficult time. But just, you know, just just being confident in the fact that it will rebound, um, kind of, you know, keep your eye on the prize and, and just understand that um, you know, it, it will get better with some time. Uh, legal careers, it's definitely just a, just a marathon, not a sprint. So I would kind of leave 
uh, the listeners that have those concerns with that. Absolutely. Well, Shane, I really appreciate your time today and being so open and honest about your experiences as, as a lawyer. Um, I know that our listeners will get a lot out of this conversation. I got a lot out of this conversation, and I sincerely appreciate your time. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Bouncing Back, Resilience for Lawyers. Join us next time for another story about thriving after overcoming challenges. You can find Bouncing Back and other programming for lawyers on MLA's Legal Talk Network.